What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Um, hopefully you all liked the intro music. Uh, copyrighted music is quite tricky online and YouTube will just like blanket, take down your videos and lock your account. If you uh, include like music that somehow has some weird copywriting. And even if you buy from a site, sometimes it's like tough. But DJ Justin O, who is a ROIC member, and I know my name is Justin O, but the only other Justin O that comes up and is very famous uh, when you Google is the DJ producer who I actually knew about him like before, like five years ago. He's played ultra Brazil, I think, and, and a lot of really big venues. He made that some of the song, like the song that you heard from the intro and some of the like cool ambient music for us. So uh, it's a little bit more serious, but we're going to, you'll be hearing it in some of our videos going forward. Um, and those of you asking about my shoulder, I actually just like a couple hours ago, I was at the orthopedic doctor surgeons and they said it just, it should be fine. Like I have a 75% chance of being just totally fine and 25% chance of it popping out repeatedly later. So we'll see. I'm, my mobility is getting a little better. Um, what else? The sign has, has arrived from Nashville. You guys remember... Uh, the sign, the opinions, not advice for some of you that are kind of OG subscribers and, uh, you'll remember it. And, and Jacob is back today. He will be sporadically here and back and, and what, and stuff like that being a, a new father. That's but, right. But That's right. How's that going? It's going very well. You know, I'm, I've adapted to sleeping every four hours, uh, in, in the middle of the night, but now she's starting to eat more. So getting a little more sleep, but she sleeps. She's only fussy during the day. We got really lucky. Everything's been great. It's been fun. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, cool. Well, yeah, I mean, then now we can talk about stocks, but I didn't really have an agenda today because there wasn't really any like really clickbaity stuff in the, in the markets, right? Kind of have to play the game. On another note though, we do our giveaways to promote likes on this video. So again, the best thing you can do to give back to the channel, this, especially this new kind of live channel, is to like the video and get us to two, 300 likes every single time so that I, we can get pushed to people's front page and I can give you 20 bucks. Um, so yeah, so yeah, definitely like the video. There's 83 of you in here and uh, 50 likes. So let's talk, about, let's talk about the market. So the US stocks fell this week. It's been just kind of a relatively down week for the markets. Here's the S&P 500. Uh, the NASDAQ is down again. They kind of slope together a lot of times. Um, and it's a, it's a relatively mild pullback. I mean, I wouldn't say it's anything really of note. Just maybe uh, stonks don't always have to go up every single week. That's something that people got used to uh, during the pandemic. What else? Um, we saw data showing that the U.S. has been surprisingly to them, not to me, but because surprisingly resilient through the pandemic. Uh, on the other, the other hand, we're seeing weaker than expected economic data out of China. Um, I wonder if China's recovery was so strong last year, beginning of this year, that finally they're kind of lapping those numbers and um, we're all stuck in this quagmire that is Delta variant. Are we in, are we out of the pandemic? Supply shocks still happening, sometimes still seem to be waning. Inflation numbers are obviously what people are concerned about, although I think the, 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 the overarching fear that it's going to be runaway inflation has died down quite a bit. Um, retail sales rose 0.7% in August. That's, I mean, so again, resilient data. Uh, we're kind of stuck in a bit of a, a quagmire. Nothing super great happening. Nothing super bad happening. Uh, China has obviously been weak. Uh, and then there's some news out about Evergrande um, showing there's a lot of vulnerabilities in the Chinese system. It's hard to know where the government steps in. Again, like data out of China is always tough. It's always tough. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we can dive into it too later. I, you know, it's not something that I have followed uh, today, given all the stuff we were up to, but like I can read the article too. Uh, okay, so let's let's kind of just pull this up for those that you know didn't didn't see the, the headline. Evergrande's woes fuel sell-off in Chinese property shares. Um, here, let's bring up the yeah. Oh wait, it's wrong screen. My bad. I'm like, there's a new screen set up today. Uh. So, so, so yeah, here's the thing: extremely negative sentiment grip sector with the Hong Kong stock hitting uh, in, stock index hitting multi-year lows. A sell-off in Chinese property stocks intensified Thursday as concern mounted about the efforts of an official campaign to rein in the sector that has already sparked turmoil, turmoil at China Evergrande Group. Uh, you know, Chinese stocks are falling. Some investors worry that Beijing's deleveraging push will mean more developers run into trouble. And that could also drag down their associated property management companies. Um, the fact that Beijing has so far refrained from offering to help, uh, offering help to Evergrande has exacerbated the anxiety. Chinese authorities were unlikely to allow a disorderly unwinding of real estate debts. On Tuesday, Evergrande said it hired financial advisors, moving closer to a potential debt restructuring. Um, so... I want to find the the original story here. Let's see. Okay, so China Evergrande Group moved closer to a potential restructuring of its $89 billion debt burden by hiring outside advisors. Um, the real estate aid, real estate giant warned Tuesday that ongoing negative media reports had hurt home buyers' confidence in Evergrande and would likely mean significantly lower sales in September, which is typically a strong month for the Chinese property industry. Um, lower sales would in turn place tremendous pressure on the group's cash flow and liquidity because it's so highly levered. And um, let's see. So it's going to be a restructuring. So I think a lot of people are wondering, when does uh, China really kind of step in on this stuff in terms of bankruptcy? Uh, Evergrande, led by billionaire chairman and founder, um, is one of China's biggest property developers and the country's largest uh, junk bond issuer. The company has struggled since regulators told developers last year that they need to reduce leverage before taking on additional debts. In recent weeks, the company has fallen behind on paying some suppliers, causing some property projects to be suspended. Um, oh, there's also some social unrest in the story. As suppliers seek repayment for unpaid bills from the company, so when you're in, when you're generally in the states, at least when you're in bankruptcy, you freeze a bunch of your payments. Um, and this goes pretty deep. And again, I, I'm not super deep on the story, to be honest. Uh, but in general, I think the takeaway is something that we've we've we should be we have been tracking for a while. It's the Chinese government is st is a command economy, and. I think a lot of the assumption that many investors have made, me in the past as well, is the Chinese government will stop step in to save a bunch of the companies, even if they're like very large or if just to save face and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I think what this past year has shown us is that the Chinese government is much more interested in herding and shepherding its own people to whatever that government uh, regime thinks is the wisest. So, and I think that's that can be decoupled from the interests of specific large Chinese corporations, right? So the patriarch of the whole, whole country is the government, so to speak. And if the patriarch thinks that the little children of, of China are spending too much time playing video games, they're going to ban video game time for kids under a certain age. Similarly here, right? Any concern about over leveraging of the real estate market, especially given the fact that we know that in China they've, oh, they've built, because it's a command economy, it's not supply and demand driving every single house build or apartment building build, right? It's, uh, I'm the government, 
we're going to develop like all these hundreds and hundreds of acres, thousands of acres. And yeah. And so then what you get is overbuilding in places that the demand isn't organically there. So therefore we saw reports over the last decade about like ghost cities. So they them building gigantic brand new structures and nobody using them, which again. And so when you have that underpinning your real estate market and over leveraging from a semi capitalistic mega companies that are influenced and semi owned by the government, it's like very messy over there. Right. Um, I think the government's just like, we're not going to risk having a bubble. So you all have to deleverage and so that's that. I mean, I don't know how much it affects us here in the States because you all know how much I'm bullish on housing and housing builds over the next uh, decade, five, at least five years. Um, we interviewed the CEO of Fundrise and we're going to be hopefully shooting for a video release next week. He, he was just asking him, he's a super smart guy, asking him about um, about just the housing market and where the opportunities are. And yeah, there's a ton of opportunity in kind of a lot of the building affordable or rentable homes here in the States. Um, and by the way, Fundrise is our only sponsor. Um, well, I'm going to elaborate on that, but is our sponsor, main sponsor for the night. So definitely check out the link below. I, th I still like, even at, especially after speaking to them and you guys will see the whole conversation. Um, they, they have really great investment opportunities uh, compared to even institutional capital. So super uniquely um, positioned to deliver solid returns in real estate. And I, it's just surprising to me that us individual investor can invest in them. So if you want to expose yourself to real estate without having to, manage it yourself and, and do with all that hassle, then definitely consider Fundrise. I mean, I, the minimums are like really low too. So you can just like see how it works. And it's basically real estate, private equity working for you. Uh, a little teaser, TradeStation will now be, we, we rarely take sponsors, right? Because Roic members keep us fed here. Um, TradeStation is now going to be an official sponsor they're, they've been around since, I think, before, like maybe before I was born. They've been around since the 90s. Super conservative, uh, but also great platform in terms of a brokerage. So I'll be moving a lot of my money over there. Um, and I'll maybe we'll make some videos and like show you or do some live streams and stuff like that. Um, so look out for that. And um, yeah, we hit 100 likes. Let's give away some money. New raffle. You guys have to click the link. So this first one, start raffle. So the winner should have pop up Arjan guys and if you're Roic members this is not the Roic stream so uh, go back it's, we'll, we'll, we'll do the Roic stream after this so Roic stocks we'll talk about um, later PJ is saying the poor sign is getting destroyed I don't know what that means. Yeah, there's. Uh, it's just further up in the chat. There, is, people are disagreeing about whether or not it's a good idea or not. They're like, it's you guys don't remember this thing? So I think y'all must be new. Yeah, there's like that stupid new sign. It's really distracting. Uh, I don't know. It's not new. Folks. I will do anything to cover my own butt. Okay. I have tried to get multiple hedge fund analysts on our show, and they will not come. Okay. Um, and Arjun, you, you, you asked about, uh, Blackstone versus KKR. I, I've, I've, uh, I've answered this before, so I mean, we can talk more about it in the rock stream, but I've answered it multiple times. We can talk about it in the rock stream. Um, all right. We're 80, we're 79 off from giving another, another 20 bucks away. Uh, David C you won the raffle. Congrats. We'll Venmo you over the next week or cash out depending on where you are uh yeah the sign does look bigger than i remember because it's a lot closer so maybe we'll have to push everything up so that there's you know we'll see this was i mean this was we literally got this up like 10 minutes ago yeah 10 minutes ago so <laughs> <laughs>
Man. Okay. Let's talk about stocks. I wanted to show you something. I'm going to tease what we're about to deliver even more value to Roic members, but this is a public stream, so let's do it. Um, here's a DCF on Palantir. Here's a, DC, a five-year DCF on Palantir, okay? I've even adjusted consensus growth up to growing in the over, like they basically said, we want to grow 30% growth over the next five years. It's beating that goal. Um, I even juiced up there the consensus, uh, consensus EBITDA margins. Where is the margins? Yeah, I got them to 40% operating margins in year five. And then you look at the DCF and it says that the valuation should be worth, I mean, and I juiced up the free cash flow terminal growth rate to 5%. So it's worth 19 bucks a share under this. But I'm going to say I need more time with this because a lot of these models are only five-year DCFs. But with Palantir, right, I don't think that you can just say that over the next five years, they 4X their revenues. And then, um, well, I guess less than 4X, right? Three, three and a half X, three X their revenues over the next five years. And then grow 5% into perpetuity, right? That's the downside of a five-year DCF, which I don't like. So I'm going to have to blow this thing out to like 10 to 15 years, which is going to take some massaging and work on my end, on the Excel side. Um, to get it so that like over the next 10 years, how much does Palantir grow? And uh, how much does Palantir grow? And then after that, maybe applying a four to 5%, maybe 6% perpetuity growth rate, right? That's something that I think is, is interesting. So I will say on any five-year DCF, it's not cheap. We already knew that, right? Palantir is not cheap. But the question is, do you think Palantir... Let's see if I can... Do you think Palantir can have $50 billion in revenue someday? Do you think it could rival the size of um, Salesforce? Right? Or maybe not even Salesforce. Maybe you just say Atlassian, ticker team. T. Oops, I'm getting confused. Uh, Atlassian, right? Oh, wow, look at that chart. It's a crazy chart. See, that's what I'm saying. So Atlassian only has two, $2.5 billion in revenues. It's worth a hundred billion dollars. Palantir. Half, half the revenue, half the valuation. Makes sense. So they're both pretty darn expensive. And so in order for Palantir to really be, shall I say, a smash hit, Do you think that the, that, I mean, let's see, what's the revenues of, yeah. Do you think they can get 20 billion in revenue someday in the next 10 years? I, I don't not think that. You all know that I'm, I've been warming up to Palantir and Palantir's up big today on some pretty relatively minor news of, you know, a big purchase and. They got the, the, the software up and running in, in a short period of time and all that stuff. Um, Mr. Oss Willow also thinks that it's too close. Guys, we set this up 10 minutes ago. I can turn it off. We're going to leave it up. There's a lot of people advocating for it as well. Oh, really? We just caught it at a negative moment, but people are still going back and forth. It's, I'd say it's very even so right. far. Yeah, yeah. We're going to, well, at least try to maybe like 
make the sizing better, but we, we literally set this up like 10 minutes ago. Don't forget to like the video. That's all I asked for. Um, I'd really, I'd really uh, like that. <laughs> Andrew. Yeah. Andrew's saying do a DCF on AMC. That'd be really funny. Um, and Andrew's asking about my shoulder. I answered that at the beginning of the chat. It's, I went to an orthopedic surgeon. It's getting better. I can't lift it. That's the only movement I can't do is I can't lift it higher than this, but it's getting a little better and I'm not wearing a sling anymore. Um, so yeah, CRM tw over 20 billion in revenues. And it, it, this is an interesting one because on one hand, a bear might say Palantir has been in existence since, hold on, Palantir. Maybe I should do a video on Palantir or DCF. I'll, I'll do that. I think I can be the best DCF on YouTube for Palantir. You guys know that. That's why you're even here. Um, yeah, so here is the question. How are you only a billion-dollar company when you were started in 2003? So let's say it takes a few years to really start up a company. Right, I've been streaming for a, a year and a half, and the company's just starting to get up and running. Albeit, Teal had a lot more... He was already like a multimillionaire, if not a billionaire in 2003 because of like PayPal. So, uh, yeah, so he, whatever, just give him the benefit of the doubt. So maybe it's a 15 year run and they are only a billion dollar company. And finally, it does seem like they're inflecting. What, what, was, that, was that funny? <laughs> no, sorry. Sorry. I'm laughing at people in the chat. Oh. <laughs> Still, they're just going on and on about the sign. Should we talk about hymns or the neon sign tonight? <laughs> <laughs> All right, just finishing my thought on Palantir, though. Sorry. No, no, this is great. I, I think the chat's playing tonight. Anytime we, ch we change anything. Um, so, and you look at the inflection, right? They've doubled over the past two years. So what have they been doing over the last, the previous 12 years, the previous 15 years? Now, that's what a bear would say. And a bear would say, how can you imagine this company being a 20, 30, 40, 50 billion dollar company? Now, I would say I believe much more, one, if you like the video, that'll bring you great luck. Very great luck in your portfolio. That's what's going to happen. And also make us uh, give away 20 more dollars. But two, I think that they were on the bleeding edge, right? This is a high ticket B2B uh, company, technology, and they spent the first decade really building their chops, getting the government stuff. It's kind of smart to start with government because the government contractors, the government uh, entities are probably going to be the most picky, like the CIA, the NSA, these military institutions are probably going to be, if I had to guess, more picky than, say, selling to, I don't know, some widget manufacturer in New Jersey. Um and then kind of coming down market, right? It's kind of like how Tesla made a very niche car, very expensive for just rich people that are eccentric and then going down market. That's that's a really good strategy to start premium. Sorry, I'm gonna gesture with my, with my good arm. Start premium and then start like, use that to fund going the, the, the development of the down market product, using that to develop the, the down market product. Um, Late notice brings up a really good point in the in the chat. Uh, too much stock-based comp pending, massive dilution incoming. That's going to be the case for any of these Silicon Valley companies because they're saying screw it. Like they believe in employees. I'm not saying I don't. I don't believe this, but they believe employees are more important than investors, and you should like they're going to dilute the crap. Like some of them are trying to dilute like 10 to 15 percent a year. That's crazy, right? So if they don't create value. Essentially, you're as an investor, you you're losing ten to fifteen percent a year. Um, so, forty five more likes until we give away another twenty dollars. Maybe we should do like smaller increments. Maybe we'll do ten dollars every fifty likes. So anyway, uh, so yeah, that's a cool tease. Why you're here, right? We we did a we showed you peaked a little bit at the Palantir DCF. Um, I also wanted to bring up the Traeger one. I know a lot of you were asking about Cook. So what, this one, 
when I was like toying with it right before, right before the stream. And when you plug in consensus, consensus estimates on, to be fair, uh, recent IPOs, so consensus is going to be really messy. Uh, let me pull up consensus. Hold on. Oh, I need to re-download this. Can you take my screen off real quick? Log in. Someone said, don't call it a raffle, call it a stream dividend. I oh, like I like that. You all are stream shareholders for today. Oh, a little update on timing on that other, the master plan stuff. Uh, the, the milestone or that I was given, the timeline I was given is that we should have at least a full first draft of all the legal, all the legal docs done at the end of, in two weeks. So I'm hoping after that, concurrently, we can get those things reviewed by kind of a second opinion, yada, yada, yada. And then, yeah, and then maybe maybe as soon as in three to four weeks, hit the ground running with like the real cap, the master plan capital raise stuff. So just a little update. I know a lot of you are interested in that. Hold on, let me download this thing real quick. I'm going to play some more of DJ yeah. Justin's tunes. So what do you all think about DJ Justin O stuff? I think, I think it's cool. So if O is capitalized like this, then it's Justin O. And if it's not, then it's Justin O. Hold on. Let me give me one second. Models, Excel, you know, all my, um, hours later. all my contemporaries are already out of Excel cause they've, uh, they've gone past their, um, they've, I guess, advanced to the point where they have associates under them and stuff like that. But now I've regressed. I do more modeling now than I was doing before. Um, okay. So share my screen. This is like, uh, kind of a consensus model for Traeger and they just slap on a revenue growth number. They think they're going to get to 2.2 billion in revenues with 28% EBITDA margins. I have no problem with the EBITDA margins on Traeger, but if you do that, this thing should be worth over 40 bucks a share according to the DCF. And in case you need a, a price check on Cook stock, it's at 23. So is that a double? Is Traeger a double? Now, I know people have been asking about Traeger. Guys, go check out Justin if you like DJ, uh, like EDM music. He has the same name as me, if you haven't noticed. Um, or if you didn't notice, you probably don't even know my name. So... Um, Let's see. Where's my model? Yeah, I was just toying with the model. And so to me, I toyed with the assumptions. And this is very interesting, right? It's like you sell a, a grill, these Traeger wood-fired pellet grills, and that's an installed base, and then they make money on buying Traeger pellets. But the feedback from the Royal community is like, oh, I have a Traeger, but I buy like their, their pellets aren't great or they're too expensive. And we, I buy these other brand pellets. And so it's not like as sticky as, as the Peloton, we sell you the bike and then you have to buy our subscription and our subscription is so much more, right? The pellets are, are pennies compared to like the full cost of a thousand dollar pellet grill. Furthermore, I think you're going to start lapping, uh, you're going to start lapping COVID comps. And so like I really took, and I think like, 
I think I pasted in this thing right here. You probably can't see because it's a live stream, so quality is not great during a live stream. But they believe that 128 million households, 75 million is the total addressable market because 75 million U.S. households own a grill as of 2020. One, I don't know if I believe that. I actually straight up do not believe that 75 out of 128 household U.S. households have a have a grill have a grill. Um, <laughs> William William Gordon says my name is also Justin. <laughs> okay, you guys are hilarious. It's like uh, that uh, scene from Fight Club. I, I was or thinking I am Spartacus. The, the scene from SpongeBob where they're all saying, I'm Dirty Dan. No. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was after Spartacus. Like, I am Spartacus. Um, so do you all believe that 60%, 6 out of 10 American households own a grill? It seems high to me. I, thought, I would have thought it was like 30, 40%. Given the fact that a lot of households are apartment building dwellers and apartments don't allow grills. I mean, I know people sneak. I don't know. Ele does it, electric grills as well. Does that count that? If you count yeah, those, we might get it. to that number, though. It's stretching it. It is stretching it. But and it's also, like another thing is, I think they use these, uh, look, 45 million U.S. households. So that's, I don't know, like a third. They're saying one third, one out of every three U.S. households value Traeger's Differentiated quality, technology, and convenience, according to a management survey analysis as of 2020. I don't know if I believe that one out of every three U.S. households wants a wood pellet smoker. I want one. And that's coming from someone who says they want one, right? Sounds very optimistic, right? Uh, oh, Ken, by the way, uh, I know you guys all saw like a really low stock price for Palantir. Just to put the nail in the coffin there, or... Uh, whatever the phrase is, it's escaping me right now. Uh, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the D five year DCF is is too short for a company so long dated as Palantir. I think Palantir. I actually am someone who believes that Palantir can become a twenty billion dollar revenue company. So I have to go back and do it, and then I'll release an actual YouTube video on it. <laughs> JMK says eight out of ten U.S. households have a broken grill. <laughs> Maybe. Or a grill that sits outside and they haven't refilled their propane tank in like years. Um, so, yeah. So Palantir is a, it's interesting because there's a bull and a bear case, whatever. So we're going to, it's a TBD. So just, I just wanted you to see this. But anyway, going back to this DCF. So I tinkered with it and said, okay, they're going to have continued growth. But at a certain point, I don't know if you can increase the number of pellet grills or whatever, Traeger grills that you sell to the market every single year. Because similarly to a dynamic like Peloton is once someone buys a Traeger grill, they're not buying another one for at least another couple of years, right? Uh, yes, Jonathan's saying that Peloton, it's a cult following thing. Traeger has a bit of a Joe Rogan-y cult following too. Uh and yeah, how the no refill is my Weber. I believe that it is single family homes, but most people have cheaper grills, not thousand dollar grills. Yeah. Like, so I think the TAM is overstated. And another thing I saw too was, hold on, um, grill sales per year. Let's pull this up. I also, I mean, again, it's Statista, so it's not the most whatever they're saying that 1.42 billion gas barbecue grill sales in the U S per year. And that 61% of grills are powered by gas. So let's just say electric grills are cheaper and wood fired is more expensive, but let's just gross up 1.42 billion by 0.61. So that means that something like two and a half billion in grills are sold in America every year. And you're telling me that they already sell 
2021 sort of estimated to be 486 million. So you're telling me they're already 20% of the overall, according to those numbers, right? Something like up to 10 to 20% of all grills. So one out of every 10 or one out of every five, maybe grills in America sold today are, are triggers. That kind of like that math sits heavy in the back of my head. And I'm like, well, I don't think that I see a world where half of grills sold are triggers, maybe a third, definitely not like over a half, right? There's gotta, for every Traeger buyer, there's like two or three people that are like, I'm just going to go for the cheaper option, right? So not only that, there's a COVID comp risk that I, that I've, I've been calling out for a while. So I took down the expectations quite a bit, right? So now I have them basically doubling over the next five years, but really keeping sales the same. So the rationale behind that is that their pellet consumables will grow uh, every year because, I mean, I haven't put too much thought on this because it's more tinkering stage right now. Um, because the more triggers that are out there, the more pellets will be bought every single year. But they're just going to sell a certain amount of grills. Um, every, I, I don't know. Maybe we can layer in more growth than this. And this, I would say this is very, very conservative. So, I mean, we could even do, I had to adjust this model a bit. So 15%, maybe 10%, 10%, 5%, So let's say, yeah, over the next five years, they more than double 1.1 billion. I agree that these, you know, that margins should kind of grind higher and it shows a $22 stock price. I mean, maybe free, free cash flow growth terminal 2.5, 8% discount rate, 24 bucks. If my conservative assumptions are right, Traeger should be pretty fairly valued today. Where is this? Too many. All right, whatever. You guys have to, we got to pull up the Traeger cook stock. That would mean that it's about fairly valued. What do you think? What do you think? Rahul's asking, curious about Gen Z's thoughts on getting a smoker in the future. A grill, I see, I can see more than a smoker where you get really good food from restaurants. Back to me. Um, I think, honestly, the, the one surprise I had is growing up in, in I remember, like, I, I would, I would, we wouldn't go to the Asian market a ton, like very occasionally, like once a year. But I remember in the 90s, maybe maybe 2000s, Asian markets were selling what we now call uh, air fryers. And that was like a thing you could buy back then. And it was so niche. And I remember like, I remember another family, like another Korean family had an air fryer, not like looking back, I was a kid, so I didn't really, I didn't really process it in, at the time. And they were bragging how they, they cooked the like shrimp tempura, uh, like without, they're like, taste it. It's not fried. It's like baked or whatever. It's like this air fryer thing. And then I just forgot about it for like two decades or like a decade or whatever. And more than it, it's like 15 years. And fast forward to now, it seems like everybody has an air fryer. I even bought an air fryer. I don't use it. I don't like it. Smells kind of weird. There's like an air fryer smell to it when you when it's cooking. Maybe that's just my Cuisinart one. Um, so that being said, maybe I'm just being too conservative, and maybe the future of of outdoor grilling is Traeger grills. And you all, all also cannot underestimate the fact that they might come out with something different. Maybe they come out with something smaller down market. Right, they're a premium product now. Maybe they come down market. Maybe they have this combo smoker grill whatever they kill the komodo they kill the green egg uh it's like peloton has the bike now they're gonna do the tread and then maybe the rowing machine all that stuff and maybe they expand outside the u.s right so there are avenues for traeger like i legitimately can see traeger being a double in terms of valuation what's it worth now but again it doesn't 
it seems less like a home run to me right now, unless you guys can convince me. Um, Jonathan saying, I think as always looking at long-term trends, more people eat out and order Uber Eats than cook at home today. I agree. Those who do how many grill on a regular basis with a new grill setup. Yeah. So I actually think concurrently with the, with the uh, eat out kind of thing, I think Uber Eats and like food delivery will continue to grow um, as we get lazier as a society. Um, oh yeah, Brian's saying pressure cookers. I didn't see them before. Now everybody has uh, a. I oh, that's actually one of my favorite things is the combo rice maker pressure cooker. Uh, I forget the name, the one they have. I have like Instapot. Instapot. Yeah. I like the Instapot. They have like an entire aisle at Target. There's so many different ones now. Yeah. So I'm wondering, guys, six more likes until we give away 20 more bucks. Um, yeah. And so I lived in Nashville. So everybody was getting these smokers. And so, but again, like I don't, I don't know. There's most people live in like apartments here, I think. Yeah. In New York City, like there's not going to be Traeger grills in New York City. I feel like there are Pelotons in New York City. People in the Midwest, I'm from Michigan. Grilling is definitely like a culture there, but I mostly agree with you that most people, their view of grills, like I just want a Weber, gas or charcoal. It's going to snow and be shitty outside. And so my grill's going to get destroyed anyway. I just looked at Traeger. It only has a three year warranty. I thought that was kind of... See, I don't even think about that. Is that a lot? Is that a little? Uh, that's a little, in my opinion, for the price. Because, like, yeah, I don't know. I was surprised. I thought it would have a much longer warranty. Gotcha. Okay, so that's enough about Traeger. It's not... I might spend a little more time on it, but it doesn't seem like a home run unless someone can... Unless, like, the transcripts say, like, we have this new thing that we're going to release. It's the Traeger smoked air fryer. Um, let's do a voicemail, uh, until we hit, oh, we hit 200. Let's give away another 20 bucks. So there's only 77 of you in the thing. So if you're in, click the link and just leave it up there. Let me give you like one, I'm gonna play, do one voicemail and then pick the winner. Hi, Justin, road member here. Can we take another look at BRT for this? It is a provider you look at recently, and you gave it an interesting rating at $28.59 a share. It has since then dropped to 23 around $23 for no apparent reason. Thank you. No Thank apparent you. reason? Like that. No apparent reason. $10 billion Val. 12 to 14 Call it 12 and a half times for EBITDA. Thanks for being a Roke member. Love you for that. Keep the stuff going. Um, critical digital infrastructure technologies and lifestyle cycle services for data centers. Pretty variable cost structure. Low gross profit margins, but pretty variable. They're going to be in like the low to mid teens always probably. Very little operating leverage. Hmm. Not bad. And why did they tank? Let's look at, see if we can look at some. This is interesting. All right, we got 120 people in it. I'm going to pick, pick the raffle winner. So if you're the winner, you should have a little pop-up on your little screen there. Um, BRT, and let's just look at the news. To buy ENI Engineering for one point eight billion in cash and stock. You think that's the reason? When was this? September eighth. So when did Vertiv start? Oh yeah, that's it. They acquired this company. Annual sales of four, four. Okay, so let's say it's a similar type of business, right? So they bought it for 1.8 divided by 
Oh wait, let's let's estimate their EBITDA. So let's say it's a similar business, 460 million annual sales times 0.15 is 70 million in in EBITDA. They bought it for 1.8 billion. Yeah, so they the reason why this this tanked was because they bought another company for 26 times EBITDA. So 26 times EBITDA, that's the valuation they paid. And Vertiv is trading for 12 and a half times EBITDA. So they paid a price that was double what their own valuation is, which unless it's super accretive, it, unless there's like synergies where they think that uh, the combined company and they can cut a bunch of costs and double EBITDA contribution or more, on the face of it looks pretty dilutive which means it's value destructive. We still are waiting for the winner on the raffle because you should have, a, it says pending. So the winner's cho chosen, waiting for your information. If you, if you uh, are one of the 112 people in the room, uh, just check the room again and put in the info and then we'll send you 20 bucks. Uh, oh, Andrew's saying go blue. Were you a Michigan fan, UM fan? Uh, I grew up 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, like away from the big house where they play the football, uh, from the University of Michigan, but I didn't go there. My uncles went there. My dad went to Michigan state. So whatever. Michigan state. Yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't been there in like 15 years. So I feel very detached from like college sports there. Gotcha. My brothers are super into it, but no, I'm yeah. Go blue. That's cool. The campus is gorgeous. It's a really, it is. it's a really nice campus. The Law Quad specifically. If you're ever in Ann Arbor, Michigan, go to the Law Quad on the university campus. It's gorgeous. The buildings are amazing. Um, yeah, no, I like Michigan. Although I am a Notre Dame grad, so I have to quote unquote hate you guys. But uh, our team sucks so bad this year. I mean, M Michigan's football team is also horrible. Yeah, that's true. I thought, no, I thought Harbaugh was supposed to be. They're paying him a lot, and I mean, he's like the worst celebrity coach, right? He's got to be. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's anybody that's more epically terrible at his job, but getting paid tons of money, like in college football, definitely not. <laughs> uh, Amin is saying, "When is Justin doing a Tesla Model Three rough?" Okay, the winner loses their rights to be the winner because it's taking you too long. So I'm gonna pick a new winner. And ready, new raffle, start raffle. All right, new winner should have a pop up. Because I got to close this and then we're going to move on to a heroic only stream. You all know how it, how it goes. You go to the, go to a couple cents.com. If you're a heroic member, you'll see a link and a stream to the heroic only stream. We can talk about heroic stocks, yada, 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 um, et cetera. Okay. Well, I mean, what else? Maybe we do one more, uh, voicemail. Hey, Justin, this is Roger, Brooke member here. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, Thanks. That was a nice one. Wait, I, I feel like there's more. It's still going. I think you got cut off. You got to call back. I will, I will keep doing this, obviously. I'm not going anywhere. Okay, let's do the next one. Hey, Justin, Roic member, hoping to take a look at Progressive PGR. I know we had considered it once before for Good. the big board, but we decided to pass. Um, earnings is coming out tomorrow. Um, my gut tells me we're going to see the typical double-digit growth, but um, less profitability, and that might potentially trigger a sell-off. Um, if you see the stock dropping below 90 to the high 80s, do you think that's enough of a return to start a position, especially with um, their variable dividend coming up next year? I do believe last year it was like $4.60, so right around a 5% yield. Let me know. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for that. Yeah, so, uh, right, uh, it's a great kind of uh, – let's see if I can find some research. I can't show you, but let's just find some research. Why don't you take this in? So, again, it's like an insurance company, but 
can kind of do an EBITDA type of thing. Um, no, this bank doesn't have it. Let's see. Can you uh, take off my screen? I just sell side research. They'll come after me if I if I slip up. Um, all right. So looking at their model, net premiums written. Uh, so the street is expecting net premiums, net written premiums growth of. About 5%. Let's see about free cash flow. Net cash flow from operations, from investments. So they're generating in 2021 a total of, oh man, I just lost it. Excel work, 4.2 billion. Yeah, three to 4 billion in free cash flow and yeah, that's a pretty large, it's like a, a double, a nine or a 9% free cash flow yield. It doesn't look bad. It definitely look, doesn't look bad. I think the headwind here too, though, is I'm wondering if premiums written growth for auto insurance is tied to the auto market, which is clearly price wise is on fire, but in terms of volume of new cars being sold right um oh man the second winner hasn't picked it okay so cancel it new winner guys go to the tab go to the tab the meeting pulse tab and, and if you're the winner i'm gonna pick a third winner hopefully the third winner wants 20 bucks and for those of you that feel like you're um you never win i feel like you gave up when we first started doing this, you were super gung-ho. You're like, I want to win. <laughs> I know, but then I didn't want to be like that person who like wins it and is like, oh, Grace won it. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. That's why I never play. I'd be scared. Of, I would be scared to win. Uh, okay. Sharon. Oh, Sharon. Congrats. Third winner. That's what you get for sticking with us. Two people didn't even. Oh, I like the animation. It's cool. Uh, oh, cool. We're going to end it there. Give us five minutes. At the top of the hour, we're going to be going to the Roke, Al, Roke only stream. And I've been moving this too much. Roke only stream, and we'll see you in a bit. Bye. Happy investing. Talk to you later.